Welcome to Gen Z Hoops. The Gen Z Basketball Coaching and Sports Business Show. On this podcast, you'll learn from professional players, coaches, and executives from all over the world and see the court in a brand new way. And now, joining you courtside, your Gen Z host, John Hartafillis. Hey, Tommy, what's going on? Hey, John, how are you, man? Awesome, having a, having a great day, and, and obviously really excited to, to speak with you. Your, your story is phenomenal, and it, it's really great to just kind of jump into that. Just, just kind of, to, to, I guess, to dive right, right in. Growing up in Lithuania, traveling to the U.S. to play against, to play in Chicago and a bunch of high school teams uh, back when you were 13. Uh, you, you can talk a little about maybe like that, that early journey for you and falling in love with the game and, and maybe what it meant for you to, to come here and, and play in the States um, and kind of just continue that basketball journey. Sure, sure. Um, oh, Lithuania you know, is such a big basketball country. You know, a lot of kids, I was growing up and still, uh, you know, we all play basketball and it's, it's, it's by far the number one sport in the country. So it's kind of, I was fortunate to go to the Marcelonis Basketball Academy. He was, he was the first Lithuanian to play in the NBA. Sharunas Marcelonis played for uh, the Warriors, played for the Denver Nuggets, and, you know, Sacramento Kings and all those teams. And he was, uh, you know, kind of like an idol growing up, uh, one of the idols. Um, and, you know, I ended up going to his basketball academy. And it kind of allowed me to, you know, travel the world in many ways. You know, back in 2000, that's when we went to the States for the first time. It was a huge deal. Uh, it was, you know, it was me and a bunch of my teammates. Uh, yes, we were 13 and it was, a, it was a, a great time. Went to Chicago for the first time, kind of got to experience, you know, the, the U.S. Played a bunch of schools, uh, high schools in the United States with our team. So it was, uh, it was a fantastic experience. And, you know, I just kind of kept... Of course, kept playing and then ended up going to school in the States later on. So it was kind of a kind of a crazy thing to to experience the U.S. while when I was young and then actually ended up being there when I was a little older. Uh, definitely. It's, it's so cool. And it's funny when you said 2000, because that's actually the year I was born and thinking about the, the, parallel, the parallels there. Uh, but also just thinking, obviously, you, met, you mentioned that how there, there's a, he's just one of the people in a long list of mentors. Who are some of those other guys, maybe? Because for, for those of us in the States, maybe that don't know too much about Lithuanian basketball, that, that really maybe made you think that basketball is something you could definitely do. Sure, sure. Um, so Sharunas was, was, you know, he was one of them. But Arturas Kornishov, was, he was our general manager here. When I came in, he was an assistant GM, then he was a GM here in the, with the Nuggets. He's the president now of, you know, the Chicago Bulls. He was certainly one of the mentors for me growing up. I met him, I guess, slightly later in my in life. I was a freshman in college. But, you know, he was kind of like an idol from afar, just watching him play. Um, you know, I always wanted to emulate him and play like him and, you know, wore number 12 because he did. And then I met him when I was a freshman in college. We kind of, you know, created a great relationship. And then lo and behold, I guess it was 10 years later, something like that, we ended up working together. So, you know, sometimes things just happen like that. And I guess, you know, he was, I'd probably say like, he's probably, you know, the biggest mentor for me just because I was the most familiar with him because he was a basketball player. And then I ended up having, you know, other mentors in life as well. You know, especially when I joined the Nuggets, you know, Tim Connolly and Calvin Booth being, being those guys as well. So, you know, been fortunate to have people around my life to uh, kind of guide me the right way. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a never ending journey. It's incredible. And obviously everyone needs those mentors to help, to help them along in their journey. And you obviously have so many of them. It was, it was great hearing that. I'm, I'm curious why you, you were talking about maybe uh, your freshman year in college. And, and I saw, right, you're majoring in, in economics, minoring in psychology. And then right afterwards, right, right after school, you didn't go right into basketball, right? You had a bunch of those, those finance jobs. I'm curious maybe what, the, what that whole process looked like for you before deciding to, to, to go all in on basketball. Sure, sure. Yeah, and, you know, basketball was such a big part of my life, you know, but in school, you kind of start to 
you potentially explore uh, to make sure that you, you don't necessarily pigeonhole yourself in this, into a specific niche. So economics and psychology, you know, those are the two things that I studied. And I did a bunch of internships. Uh, freshman summer, went back to Lithuania. I did a finance internship or more of a consulting internship and a finance internship. Actually, it was a busy summer. Uh, sophomore year, uh, interned with Ernst & Young, and then junior year, ended up interning with the interning with the NBA in, in New York. Um, and then senior year, kind of, you know, we, we had early fall recruiting, you know, at, at school, we had companies come in and recruit people to, uh, you know, to join workplaces as soon as they graduate. So I, I ended up kind of jumping on that. I ended up doing finance for two years. Now, basketball was always kind of at the back of my mind. Always thought that I would I would come back in some way. I uh, didn't quite know exactly how just yet, uh, but it was it was a good experience. I'll say this: it was a good experience to kind of you know spend some time away from basketball and maybe gain specific skills that uh, you know basketball may not necessarily always give you. I, I did that, and I'm glad I did the finance internship. It wasn't necessarily my cup of tea, but I think it's extremely important for you know for younger kids and you know people people kind of graduating, whether it's high school or college, to try you know don't try to kind of put yourself in a situation like hey this is my dream I want to do I want to do that specific thing. It's amazing if you do know exactly what you want to do, but it's I found it kind of it's rare for an 18 year old or a 20 year old, a 20, even 23 or 24 year old to know exactly what they want to do in life. So try to kind of, you know, uh, diversify your experiences a little bit. And then, you know, you will, you will find your calling soon enough, as long as you know what's out there. So that's kind of like what happened to me. And uh, I'm glad I'm glad I did it. And then I feel like now you know, I'm doing exactly what I'm, what I'm supposed to be doing. Love it. And it's great. It's obviously great hearing that you're doing what you want to do. And obviously your message to, to our listeners who are, who are, most of them are all in that spot, right? 18, 20, 22. I'm looking to do a similar thing. And, and obviously having that a situation happen with them right now. I'm curious what you mentioned in terms of go, going from those finance things to the NBA, but when you did it is actually super interesting. And it, there's a lot of parallels to the time period we are now, right? During the lockout season, um, everything kind of the NBA is all in turmoil. And it's obviously the, right now the whole world's in turmoil, of course, with, with the COVID-19 pandemic. So what was it like kind of making such a life-changing decision like that into, into really going all in um, during a time like that and obviously finding your way in the NBA. Yeah, um, no, it, it made it a little more difficult to actually break into the NBA because it was a lockout going on. You know, I wanted to, I guess my first choice was to go to New York and kind of join the league office there. Uh, but at that point, you know, it was it was a little more difficult because it was a lockout. But, you know, there was an opening in London and you can kind of say like, hey, it's it's basketball adjacent because it was more of a business role as opposed to, you know, a hardcore basketball role. But then again, you know, that was the opportunity that was presented to me um, and I absolutely took it. And it wasn't exactly what I thought I, I would be doing, kind of like working in business and basketball, but it was certainly closer to what I wanted to do. But then again, I didn't necessarily know exactly what I wanted to do, but I was like, hey, it's basketball at least. So I'm, you know, I'm going to give it a shot. And I think, you know, it's, it's, it's smart of you to, you know, to draw a parallel right now, because, you know, it is a little more difficult. You know, I get some emails every once in a while from, you know, from, from young, bright, super, super intelligent kids, you know, trying to, you know, basically asking how the, how to break into the industry. And it's, it's really hard because A, there's a pandemic going on um, and, you know, and, and kids have to kind of stay at home and, you know, sometimes they can't even go to classes. Right. So, I mean, it's, it's, even more difficult to break into sports. Uh, it's already difficult, but during a pandemic, it's even more difficult. I guess my biggest advice, and I guess I, I followed my own advice when I was 20 something, is to try to enrich yourself in any way you can, whether it's taking coding classes. I mean, there's so many resources online, whether it's doing that, maybe you want to become a better writer. Uh, maybe you want to 
you know, just read on about a bunch of things and just become a professional in that particular niche. So it's, it's, it's all about enriching yourself right now. Thankfully, you know, we live in a, in a time right now where basically everything is online. So even aside from your classes online, aside from something that you can, you know, that, that you have to, you have to go through as a student, do something extra and, you know, learn things that are not necessarily part of your curriculum. And you'll emerge from, from this, from this, uh, you know, time, just, you know, a better, a more well-read and informed person. And I think, I think that's something that, you know, you, you certainly, you know, as young kids have to do that right now. And you know, once, once things are hopefully back to normal, you will have a much wider arsenal to use when you're actually applying for some of these jobs. That's huge. And you touched on that whole idea of skill development at the beginning. It is definitely so important. It's something I'm, I'm now rethinking myself. Okay, I'm doing this show. This kind of this kind of was my big skill, but what's next, right? What other ways can I kind of sharpen that toolkit um, and have that ready at my, my disposal? Right, right, before we get into maybe all, because all those skills maybe are going to become so useful for you once you end up going with the Nuggets. But before that, right, obviously you had to first maybe get to know people in the organization and have that all happen. And, and I'm, right, the funniest thing happened with you that I, that I saw um, where you're on a basketball without borders trip with someone that would end up being your former boss. So can you talk to us a little about that, about how networking maybe really helped kickstart uh, your career then maybe how, how you really did that yeah no and i think it actually speaks to uh you know how serendipitous and how crazy life sometimes you know is you know when i was when i first joined uh nba in london i had a chance to go to moscow um and that's where the, the basketball without borders camp was taking place and the reason why i actually ended up going to moscow was because i spoke russian because i took russian college now i'm lithuanian i speak russian kind of you know because you know, growing up with a, with, with, with a bunch of Russians kind of around, but I ended up taking Russian classes in college as well. And when I joined NBA London, the camp was actually three weeks later. And it's a, a, a little more rare for a newcomer to, you know, join, to, to go to, uh, to a BWB camp immediately. But my boss was like, hey, you speak Russian, you know, that's important because we're going to Moscow and we're going to be talking to, you know, meeting up with a bunch of companies because at that point I was, we were selling media rights uh, to, you know, to various TV channels in, uh, in Europe. So my boss was like, hey, because you speak Russian, let's go. And that's where I met Tim Connolly. I knew Arturus, of course, and Arturus was there too. And that trip completely changed my, you know, the trajectory of my of my professional life because Tim a year later offered me the job with the Nuggets. So when you really think about it, the fact that I decided to take that Russian class in in college ended up like landing me a job here with the Nuggets. You never know what skill is going to take you somewhere. It may seem completely irrelevant. It may seem completely useless. And then lo and behold, sometime that particular thing is going to propel you. So it makes it in a way it makes it harder because you don't know what to focus on. But in other ways, you know, it's it's more exciting because anything can land you anywhere. So that's that that's my only thing. You know, if I was focusing on a specific thing and not take, you know, the Russian class, <laughs> I would not be with the Nuggets right now, most likely. Um, so yeah, it was it was a crazy story. Also speaks to the fact that hey, you have to meet people, and sometimes it happens by accident. And you know, all you can do is just put on the best face you can, which you should do 100% of your time anyway. Um, and just treat people, you know, with respect and then, uh, and the good things will happen to you. Of course, that, that good energy is right. It's going to get rewarded. The universe is going to say, okay, right, Tommy's been exuding all this good energy. Let's give him some good energy back. And obviously that, that, that's what happened. And definitely some, some, some great advice there. But for our listeners, right, you've been with the Nuggets since 2013. So not, not in the front office per se, but obviously around, right, around there from, from basically when this whole nucleus kind of got put together, right? Where whoever, everyone on the team has almost been kind of assembled during the time, right? All, all, all through the organization itself. But I'm curious, right, you've been quoted before talking about how like kind of analytics are kind of a piece of the puzzle. It's, it, it informs the bigger decision of maybe that whole tree 
but it's just a branch in that entire decision making process. I, I'm curious. Uh, but you, I, I saw that one of your first projects was going into statistical analysis, right, heading into into free agency and thinking, how much do we value certain things? Like, what, what did that really look like for you? Maybe that that first day on the job and and, and kind of spearheading this analytics department. You know, well, actually, you know, the, the project that I ended up doing, um, it was right before I joined, uh, before I actually, I guess I was hired at that point, but I ended up doing it before I physically came to uh, to Denver. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, at, again, at that point, analytics was just kind of just starting out to be to be a much more uh, prominent tool. And I had to rely on a lot of instinct and just, you know, just the stuff that I learned back in finance, like, hey, all these numbers are there. Let's see if we can predict something. You know, so you take everything that happened in the past and you try to predict the future, which is extremely difficult, of course, but that's the best way we can usually do things. So we ended up, I ended up like doing a project on a certain free agent that was leaving or potentially not leaving, you know, what, what how much money should we give that particular person? I mean, the person was kind of, you know, on the not necessarily on the decline of his career, but he was a little older and ended up kind of, you know, creating a a very rudimentary now looking back at it a fairly rudimentary analysis on you know what the stats are going to look like based on other types of players who fall into that same profile essentially and yeah i think the stats ended up being somewhat close uh, but that person ended, ended up doing very well <laughs> so it was, you know it, it was it was it was just an attempt to do something i didn't know what i was doing but i, I was given my best shot but then you know that effort kind of you know gave me a base off of which I can do other projects. And those other projects gave me a, you know, a new base, a new base, a new base. So you just kind of, you know, keep upping your standards. Um, and at some point you end up putting together projects that you're, that you're comfortable with and that you're proud of. Incredible. And obviously thinking about it, but most recently you were promoted to assistant general manager. So I'm curious, maybe what did, what did that look like for you and going from maybe focusing so much on the numbers to now you're kind of wearing all, you're, you're kind of have your hand in everything. Yeah. Um, I think it's all credit to Tim Connolly. Um, and, you know, later on Calvin Booth, when he came in, and Arturis, of course, you know, those guys, you know, Tim, especially, I mean, the way, he, the way he runs our team, which is, you know, at some point, if I do get a chance to run my own team, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll always uh, emulate what Tim does. I mean, he empowers people. He gives people ability to do other things as well. Not just, not just one particular thing that they're quote unquote good at. He exposes you like, Hey, give, give this a shot or give that a shot. Right. I mean, Try to kind of diversify, you know, as we, we said before, I mean, if you diversify uh, what you do, eventually you'll find something that, you, that you're really good at. You know, something that you think you're good at may not be the best thing that you do. I think Tim really, you know, he uh, he gave me a lot of chances to, you know, go scout, so do something, you know, with a salary cap, do something with player contracts, you know, do this project. I mean, I see analytics was probably still my, the thing that I was doing the most, but I mean, he exposed me to so many different things that I think I ended up learning to become better at those other things as well, those ancillary things as well. And, you know, just, just kind of kept evolving in that regard. And then at some point, the team, you know, was doing okay. And we kind of, you know, continued growing all of us together. And uh, at some point, I got a shot to, uh, you know, to get this position. Um, and again, it's all credit to Tim and, and Gal and Arturis for for basically empowering me and, and giving me all those all those opportunities, so really happy to uh, you know to have come this far. But it's 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 really it was much more credit to them than to me.
that whole big picture thing of the entire front office doing such a great job in, in preparing this team to where it is now. Obviously, the season's been going, been going great, and I can't wait to kind of jump into that. But just kind of seeing the build of it. I mentioned it before about how it's so impressive that the, 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 almost the entire team has been been almost drafted in Denver. Um, so many guys are maybe kind of homegrown in that sense. Um, what's it kind of been like for you over those last few years, right before becoming assistant GM, or, or, or obviously even now, kind of seeing the, the team that you, you kind of started with just develop into the Western Conference powerhouse that they are now? Yeah, no, I mean, we were, we got extremely lucky. The draft is, you know, it's been said before, but I mean, the draft is such an incredibly, incredibly difficult vehicle to build your team through. If it, if it happens, amazing. But more often than not, I would say, you know, it, it doesn't happen. I mean, it's, uh, you have to draft a specific player. I mean, you know, we, we picked Nikola Jokic at 41. We had two picks before that. Uh, it's, uh, it's i would say we certainly liked him we, we liked him enough to to pick him but at the same time i mean it's um it, he surpassed anybody's expectations i mean we had no idea he was going to be an mvp candidate you know not just a candidate you know a favorite to win the whole thing so you really try to do your best to pick big guys who are good but also who are who have all the intangibles to be even better. I think that's that's something that we place a lot of emphasis on. Sometimes talent is, I would say most of the time, talent is, of course, very important. But, you know, how is the person's work ethic? You know, how is, is the player tough enough to play through injuries and you know, adversity and things like that? You know, is the person a good teammate? And, you know, how, do, how does the player interact with all the teammates and the coaches and, you know, the front office and even, you know, the people who you know, quote unquote, you know, it don't matter as much in terms of decision making and all of that kind of get, gets into the person's character. So we place a huge amount of emphasis on character, you know, and we, we try to do our best to kind of learn as much as we can about certain players. So I think the fact that, you know, some of the guys who are doing well for our team, it's, you know, Nicola, Jamal, all the guys that we picked, uh, you know, Monte, those guys end up being, in, in our opinion, they end up being good because of who they are as people. You know, they have no ego. They're all team first, and that is very contagious in the locker room. So even the guys that we end up acquiring, you know, during trades or we end up signing them, they come in and they immediately understand what you know what the uh, what the culture is in Denver, and they and you know you're gonna stick out if you do have a big ego. You're going to stick out in that locker room. Thankfully, we don't have players like that right now, and I think that's a direct result of you know why the team is doing pretty well. And so that's 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 been our philosophy. It's been working. Whether it's always going to work, who knows? But it has been working over the last couple of years. If it's safe to say it has been working, and especially what you mentioned at the end about play, guys that you're acquiring, so automatically kind of adjusting to the system really quickly, understanding what it means to be a Denver Nugget. And right after the trade deadline, right, you guys went on an 8-0 win streak. Just all, all these guys kind of really, really buying in and just and playing really motivated, as opposed to maybe some teams maybe taking a super long time to kind of gel and figure it out. Uh, what are those games looking for you? And how, what, what makes you think that it makes it so easy for you guys to kind of just gel right away? I mean, all those guys play so well together. Nikola Jokic is being one of, you know, one of the main uh, engines of that. I feel like, you know, guys who come in who are brilliant players already, they understand that it's so easy to play with a superstar who is all about the team and all about making everybody else good. I think that just makes everything so much easier. That's probably the biggest thing. I mean, even Aaron, when he came in, uh, he immediately understood what it's like playing with Nikola Jokic. And he's a, he's a very good player. He's, he's had amazing years in Orlando. But, you know, it's not being, you know, we don't necessarily have to ask him, you know, of him to do as much as he did back in Orlando, because he has some, he has somebody like Nicola, like Jamal, like all the, you know, like Michael, like all those guys kind of, you know, around him. So it's, uh, I, I think that's what makes it tick is because, you know, we have good players, young players who don't have egos 
it's easier to come in and blend. Um, and that's what Aaron has done. And that's what, you know, a lot of other, other players who came in have done. So that's, I think, I think the reason why, you know, we went on a bigger bit of a win streak is because like, you know, people understand our players understand that, Hey, there's a chance we can do something special this year. And for that, we need to, you know, perhaps sacrifice a little bit of shots, you know, a little bit of touches and all those things. But I mean, you know, so far the guys have been doing well, you know, Jamal going down, of course, is a, is, is, is a very tough break. And he is, he is an incredible player. He's an incredible human. So, you know, we, of course, we feel bad for him, but at the same time, we know he's going to be more than fine because, because of who he is as a, as a person and as a, as a warrior. But, you know, it doesn't change our plans. I mean, the guys are, are going to continue. They just have to step up and, and keep, you know, try to, try to do us a little bit of what Jamal, you know, had done for us. hundred percent. And definitely the team has been doing that recently, right? Just last night, a big overtime, a 139-137 win against Memphis, right? Huge game. Jokic, 47-15-8. and eight, The only place since Hakeem to have that kind of stat line. Um, I thought it was really funny after the game when they asked him about just the, the big man kind of coming back or just the way he's been playing lately, kind of just, you know, maybe being the first big man to win the MVP award. Um, and he said, I'm just glad we're still popular just in terms of the, the big man. And I thought that was, that was so funny. What have you kind of seen in maybe just, maybe just the, the trends in general, just in obviously the league, everyone kind of talks about the big man kind of being gone, but maybe Maybe Jokic and, and some other guys are really starting to, to bring back that kind of post-up game and, and just kind of evolving the position. Yeah, yeah. no, it's, it's you know, I think the big man, it has evolved to a point where it's kind of hard to call Nikola uh, a standard big man, right? I mean, he's, you know, he's not the, uh, you know, feed you in the post type of person. He certainly can do that. And, we, you know, he did plenty of that yesterday. But obviously the biggest thing about Jamal and other players in the league, you know, some of the bigs in the league that, you know, that he's kind of competing against is the fact is how versatile they are. You know, I'd say, what, 10 years ago, big men didn't shoot threes. Now it's it's very much a standard thing to see. You know, they didn't pass like Nicola. Now you, you see a lot more big men actually, you know, incorporating that. Now, you know, there there have been big men, who, you know, who, who passed the ball well. I mean, one being my countryman, Arvita Sabonis. I mean, so it's not like he is completely an anomaly. But I mean, the fact that Nicola does that on such high level, that makes him an anomaly. And, you know, I've never seen anybody with an IQ with with IQ like that somebody who reads the game the way Nicola reads the game it's both simple and extremely complex it can be the simplest read of all and it can be I don't know how he saw that particular you know play or that 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 person cutting you know five seconds before he actually cut and of course his touch and all that I mean it's he he is a, he's a different animal as far as big men are concerned and while we're seeing other big men emerging as as very versatile players as well I think Nicola still kind of, he's on a tier of his own in terms of kind of the way he plays the game, the way he sees the game and the way he feels the game. Definitely. Maybe the traditional uh, big man that's, that's maybe just can only do one thing is gone, but uh, there, there'll always be room in the game for, for a guy like Jokic who can, who can do it all. And like you said, his, at such a high level, but if it makes an anomaly. Thinking about that, obviously, I'm really excited for, for the rest of the season for the Nuggets. And, and by the time this episode goes up, there'll probably be a few more wins or a few more monster performances from Jokic uh, to kind of think about when people listen. They're like, oh yeah, didn't he have 40 that, that other night? So definitely uh, really excited to see the, uh, the end of the season heat up for the, for the Nuggets and all, all this great thing for the organization. Tommy, thank you so much for coming on the show. I mean, this was, this was awesome. Awesome. Your, your story is incredible and obviously uh, really rooting for the team this year. Thank you. Appreciate it, John. Thanks for listening to Gen Z Hoops. Make sure to follow, like, and subscribe on Instagram, LinkedIn, and all major social media platforms at Gen Z Hoops. 
you can tune in and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and every other podcast platform on the planet. Get ready for the next episode.